0: The Backdoor GA podcast for 2023 is now brought to you by Steve Motor Group. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, visit stevemotorgroup.ie. We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finlay, our professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job. So delighted now to be joined by David Wynn and hopefully we'll have Barry Cullen in the next few minutes as well. Uh, just to look back on Galway's win uh, over Monaghan at the weekend, 113 to 10 points and finish in the final scoreline. Freshly, David, delighted to have you on. Be, been a while now since uh, you finished up with my Cullen. Last time we were talking, uh, I was talking to you on a podcast, you were country champions, but... As the
1: year progressed, did it give you time over to Christmas to kind of look back on what you achieved? Uh, it wasn't even Christmas, really, to be honest. <laughs> we were preparing for Glenn at that stage. But um, yeah, yeah, we had our first uh, team meeting there Wednesday night. We're going back on the pitch uh, this evening. So we've had a nice break now, uh, nearly two and a half months. You know, we've kind of taken stock of what we did and what we didn't do and, Ready to go again now.
0: Was there any regrets after the game game or was it just you were kind of able to take yourself like at the same time we did reach an Ireland semi-final?
1: A bit of both. I think, I look, anytime you lose a game, there's going to be regrets, you know, and I don't think we put um, our, our best performance out there. You know, uh, we didn't really show exactly what we're capable of and the whole group uh, knows that. Um, so it's good, you know, because there's a fire uh lit again for this year. Uh we do feel like we left something behind us. Um so yeah, there was um there, there was we reviewed the Glen game. Uh we, we've we've looked, looked back on it, uh parked it, taken um a couple of things that we need to improve on, and we'll we'll try and bring them forward now uh into this year's championship.
0: Just with that, um In talking about Mike Cullen and the success, but like when you consider, you've played intermediate club football for Mike Cullen and now you're becoming a senior powerhouse. But nine players in the Galway senior football panel from when Mm. you started out playing football for a lot of the, I suppose, younger lads in the squad, it wouldn't be surprising with, I suppose, the amount of players you've had in underage Galway squads. But do you look at that ever
1: and go, Jesus, like, this is this is crazy? Um, not, not so much crazy, but uh, it's it's a massive achievement, you know, and it's something that, uh, as a club, we're really, really proud of. Um, there's Barry jumping in there now. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's something that, uh, as a club and as a group, we're really, really proud of. Um, I wouldn't say crazy because, you know, everyone who's in there deserves to be in there. You know, they've they worked really hard. Uh, the talent is there. Um, they, um, you know, performed when they had to perform uh, in the shop window, essentially, which is the either underage or uh, in the Galway Club Championship. So, um, yeah, it's it's great for uh, us as a club. And it's only going to bring on the lads that aren't involved up another level. You know, when we get them boys back in terms of, you know, the knowledge they pick up uh, inside in Galway and then training on the pitch, It's um, yeah, it leaves us in a good position. Not for the league, <laughs> but uh, going forward, yeah, absolutely.
0: I just for you, were Barry, in there, uh, David. Like you mentioned, the league there briefly, like they're, they're already coming back. But I'm sure, like it was a very long campaign for you. I'm sure that break has been nice to, I suppose. I suppose maybe just zone out and kind of come back refreshed.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. Two and a half, uh, two and a half months now. Had a really, really good break. Uh, honestly, I don't know how the boys went back in <laughs> with Galway after two or three weeks or whatever it was they did. Um, I, uh, I don't think I would have been able to do that now mentally. So yeah, no, it's um, it's impressive what they're doing and continuing to do. Um, but now I think after you know you get your two months or your two and a half months and you're ready to go again. You know, there is a, a good buzz. Um, down at the meeting Wednesday night we're back on the pitch now tonight and everyone is everyone is looking forward to getting on a pitch and kicking a ball again I think
0: That same management team again P?
1: Same again yeah same again
0: I don't know do we have you there now Barry? He just doesn't seem to be there yet um, but go is over there, David uh, What what have you made of them?
1: I've been impressed, uh, to be honest with you. And especially last um, especially last Sunday against Monaghan. I know I've read a couple of pieces and they're you know impressed with the second half. Personally, I was really impressed with the first half. The way they defended uh their uh, structure seems to be really, really good. Um, management, you know, they had it in place last year, and they seem to have brought it forward, which is great. You know, there's a bit of continuity. And it seems like every day they go. Every day they go out. They're trying to refine it and improve it. Um, they seem to have put a massive emphasis on uh, protecting the D. You know, they're not giving up any simple goal-scoring opportunities. I think they've conceded two goals. You know, against one against Mayo, one against Donegal, which was a penalty, and they were both. The one against Mayo was kind of a freak goal, if anything. You know, they're not giving up those simple chances of. Uh, players uh, breaking through the arc and popping the ball over um, to someone coming through the middle. So, uh, yeah, really, really impressive. It's going to give them um, a a great base to work work from going forward. And uh, I think they're going to be in every game. You know, they're not going to leak heavy scores. And then if they can get the transition right, you know, they're capable of beating anyone.
0: How are you Barry? Uh we just have you now as well. Barry, we're just talking on guys over there. D- David talks there about their uh structure in particular against Monaghan in in the first half I've been going to point down, but in that second half in particular they really did uh limit Monaghan I, I think it, I'm not sure if Monaghan even registered a score from playing in that second half, but like they really made it uh difficult for Monaghan to break down goal.
2: Yeah, I hope you can hear me all right there, can you? Yeah. Hi David, how are you how are you? Um yeah, look, I think you know, media and supporters and everyone, like we, we do have a and I'll be as guilty as anyone, like a tendency maybe to analyze kind of the micro side of a league. So analyzing each half or analyzing each game and you know at halftime in the Roscommon Common game. You know, it was like the the way of the world on our shoulders. Full time at the Tyrone game, it was only a matter of time before you know getting to the All Ireland final. Half time against Monaghan, maybe not so good. Full, you know. So there's, there's a trend to these things that that we we get overexcited and we look at how we're playing uh, when we're really positive and we we're too negative when maybe a half doesn't go our way. So, uh, you know, he would have been happy with that half, but but as a management team. You know, when they sit down, it starts the league there's certain parameters that they wanted to meet, and they can only judge that really at the end of the league. But so far, so far, they're 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 touching an awful lot of those points. And um, you know, David is right on, on the structure side of things, and defensively, um, we're getting things spot on, and our top players have carried form through. So Sean Kelly, you know, following a brilliant year, and and as David said, I don't know how he's how he's still going. He's a uh, He's some operator and some leader on that team, and you know he he has been the rock that we're building our full back line on. Uh, John Daly is coming back into a brilliant vein of form, and we're not conceding scores. So I think on average we're con- you know Tyrone got thirteen points, but like Monaghan got what was it nine the last day? I think Roscommon got nine, Johnny got one nine. So we're only conceding about ten scores. Which if you can if you continue that into the championship, that puts you in in a uh, it puts in a brilliant position to try and go win a game. And then offensively, you know, we're not getting as many scores as we'd like. But that's 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 not really surprising. If you don't have Damien Comer as one of the top forwards in the country, Shane Walsh just coming back, Rob Finnerty just coming back, Patrick Kelly who had a brilliant year last year. So you have four of your forwards that showed absolutely brilliant form last year, and three of them, you know, Patrick Kelly had a brilliant year, but you would say Rob Finnerty, Damien Comer, and Shane Walsh. Or three of the top forwards in the country, and you take them out of your team, then you're not going to score enough. You know that's that's are you are not going to score as much? And that's just the way the way it is. So I think overall they're in a really really good position, and and when they sit down at the end of the league, they'll be happy with with a lot of the the the, the key performance indicators that they were looking for at the start of it. They'll they'll think they've met. I would I would imagine.
0: And just with that Barry, even in the first half, went in nine uh, eight down, but. The, the most pleasing aspect you could say even going in a point down like they, they were really limiting Monaghan to scores from distance
2: Yeah, yeah I think Rory Bacon, Rory got a couple a couple of frees as well And but that's you know that's not just last Sunday Paul it's, that's Galway's modus operandi right now they're really really good defensively and if you get a score against Galway you're going to earn it. And they're all supremely confident in their system. <clears throat> Everybody knows their role. It doesn't matter who's coming in or who comes out, everyone adapts. And you know, when you think about it, they don't have Liam Silk, they don't have Kier Malloy, who would have had huge experience from last year. And one of the really pleasing points for Parik is that Owen Kelly has come a bit like the man or Barnes, really, really, you know, it's just, it has come so naturally to him. He looks like he has nailed down that position that Liam Silk is vacated unless David has a a brilliant league or something for Mike Cullen he might he might <laughs> pop back he might pop back into that role. Um, <clears> There's <throat> probably still vacancy at, at that left half back spot. I think Daniel Flaherty for me is is in pole position. I think he's a really really good footballer. Carl Sweeney will push him all the way, in, of course, to show you uh, the strength that that Not Nakara have at the moment. But you know Paul Conroy pulling the strings around midfield, Killy McDade didn't start the last day. But everybody in their that defensive unit are two wing forwards. They all know their role really, really well. And and one thing for me really standing out for Galway this year is they're limiting the amount of frees teams get. So they're they're really disciplined in the tackle. There's no one doing anything stupid. There's no one leaving a hand in when it when it doesn't need to be and it looks like something that they've really really worked on over the, the winter months.
1: Yeah, I noticed that as well, Barry, and it's it's nearly the way they're tackling inside the 45, it's all open-palm stuff, and they're all really like hyper-aware that they've got backup, you know, so if someone does get half a yard on them, it's nearly hands up over the head, I'm not going to reach in and, and give a foul because I know I have backup coming in behind me, so it's really, really hard to get a score from the D, essentially. You know, which is has been really impressive. What'll be interesting is if teams, you know, the better teams, the better kicking teams, would say Armagh, Kerry, start picking off long range scores. Will they, you know, will Galway come out to the periphery to try and put uh, pressure uh, as the year goes on? But I suppose those questions will pose themselves, and we'll see what they do. But at the minute, they're just they're they're extremely hard to get a score against, which is which is what you want, really, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I I think I don't think they will. I think they, I think they'll accept the fact that you know the team, you say you said Armagh or Kerry or Mayo, whoever they play, they might get a couple of scores. But how many how many actually will they get? You know, you're never going to see nine, ten, points from distance in a game. If if like if if Galway could keep their defensive structure and Armagh or Kerry got three three scores, four scores from distance. They'd accept that and they'd they'd move on. That would be my that would be my perception of it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah.
0: With that as well, like there was challenges in that morning game, David in particular going out to fourteen men with Peter Cook uh, yeah. getting head off. And the most impressive thing is probably just to find that way, and in the end to find that way comfortably, you could say.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was disappointed for Peter because I thought he was actually really coming into the game. You know, he was putting in good tackles. He just kicked a great score. And I think that second half would really have suited him. You know, with the breeze, he might have been able to pick off two or three long-range scores, he, which he's been doing all year. Um, Which yeah, he'll dust himself off and he'll be ready to go again when he gets his next chance. Uh, but in terms of set up after that, yeah, they were really good. And it, it's just, it's because they get everyone behind the ball. You know, they could they could probably do it with 13, you know, to an extent. Now, they did have the wind helping them, which um I think was a big factor. There was a swirling wind in Salt Hill, So in order for Monaghan to get a score, they really, they, they had to focus on getting the ball right into the D. And I thought Johnny Heaney was super, Shawnee was really good, uh, and John Daly, you know, they were just directing traffic. You know, they weren't getting pulled and dragged out to the sidelines. They were... Man in the danger areas uh, really, really well. So, yeah, it, it was impressive the way the way they coped with the man being sent off. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Barry, you talked about Owen um, Kelly's form, but since those forwards have got injured, um, it's safe to say like Matthew Tierney has really stepped up to the plate.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and I I'd have put my hands up. I I questioned Matthew's form. I I thought last year's. Really long year, not, not just last year's, but the last couple of years in his run with O'Keeffe and, and then go with twenties, NUIG, and then and go with seniors. I thought I thought it had taken a lot out of him, and and possibly wasn't showing the levels of energy that we had expected expected to see of him, considering the the huge potential that he has. But as you said, it it could be a situation where. He now feels that without the lads playing, that he is probably always number one forward and he has really risen to that, really risen to that. And, you know, the turning point of the Tyrone game where him coming, like he's a massive man, him coming and, and taking those two, two marks and was getting scores from that. And I think that's where, I, I think he took huge confidence from that and I think he pushed on from that and it was... Kind of in the last twenty minutes of the Tyrone game, he really, really expressed himself against Tony Gall. He was outstanding. He was really, really good the last day too. So, the challenge, the challenge for Matthew and the goal management will be putting that to him is when when Shane comes back, when when Damien comes back, you cannot go hiding. And and not that not that he was hiding, but he was probably being overshadowed by. By Shane coming looking for ball, by Rob coming looking for ball, by Damien coming looking for ball. And possibly Matthew just wasn't getting as many as, as many possessions as he would have liked. And I think that'll be the challenge that that we spread the we spread the load among the forwards and that we you know, no one forward is, is, is dominating our play. Because you see, you see what happens in, in Teams then shut down one or two of these guys, and and it, and it becomes very difficult for someone else to come into the game. So they'll be absolutely delighted for Matthew himself personally because we know what he has in his locker, and it and it's brilliant that he's now expressing himself and showing that. But as you said, Paul, like the challenge now for him is keep going, and and when the likes of Gavin White picks him up in against Kerry or someone like that, you know he's going to have to show that that. This is this is his year, and please God, it'll be, you know, it'll be Matthew Tierney that that takes the limelight this year on top of Shane and Damien and Patrick Kelly or whoever else is there.
1: Yeah, and just just to add to that, I think Barry uh, makes a great point. You know, it was a massive difference to being the focal point of an attack and being kind of on the peripheries, the third or fourth best player, and trying to chip in with two or three scores. But I think Matthew. In fairness, I, I've seen a lot of them now, uh, and this year he seems to have gone away and worked on a couple of small things that make a huge difference uh, at inter-county level. Scory kicked the last day against Monaghan, uh, really, really smart. You know, he was just jogging out to the to the forty-five line as if he was coming on the loop, and then a real quick back check. So just centre back was right up behind him, checked right back. Robert Finnerty, Robert Finerty, really, really quick hands. Uh, into Matthew and he had an easy score right in front of the goal you know
0: what so, are those small things David that you think he's worked on
1: so that exactly that that small movement so rather than coming out and trying to win you know softball and going back around working on the loop trying to take on a man literally jogging out at half pace to the 45 and then what you see what you see Conor Callahan doing all the time that quick check right back in he did that brilliantly lost the centre back Robert Finnerty found him with a hand pass and he, he floated it over the bar. And if he could get two of those a game when it gets to Championship, that'll really, really help um, Galway's scoring prowess.
0: That's the biggest talking point from the weekend seems to be simulation in the game at the minute. Um, Barry, there there probably is an incident uh, going around. David's smiling here now, but... Uh, with <laughs> Barry, David Duff, it, you not
2: I'd say half of my Colin will be watching this with the, with, the, with <laughs> so I better be very careful. I, I think to be honest now, and this isn't a maroon tinted glass like I, I would say Peter Cook would probably, you know, just to show my lack of my cullen or go advice like I'd say Peter would have been very disappointed and probably could have no complaints over over what happened at the weekend. But in terms of the in terms of the Covers that Sean Kelly is getting, I think it's, I think it's criminal to be honest. Like he actually did, you know, we don't know where, like your man, I don't know what Monaghan fellow was actually did catch Kieran him. Duffy. There's no, yeah, there's no, um, there's no doubt he caught him with a fist into the ribs. You know, we don't know, they like Sean Kelly could have a rib injury. Like we don't, we don't know that, and that's why. Yes, got, uh, i think I, have been a chess I think, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I think that, like I saw the Connor Cox one on, on. On Matthew Rowan, like that was that was really really poor form, by, by him, like Sean Kelly doesn't do that, and he's not that sort of player. So like to be highlighting him, uh, I think that's I think that's uh, I don't think that's fair. I think it's a bit unjust. I do think we have an issue with it. Um, I do think we have an issue with it. I do think we have an issue in terms of uh, th- the black cards. Uh, it- you know I'm I'm not saying we shouldn't have the black card, but I think players are probably trying to get, get guys tangled up the legs and, and showing that, that they're they go down a little bit too easy. Um how do we stamp that out? Nigh on impossible really. Like in, in fairness to the refs, you know, we all have you know replays and Sunday game and everything they have to call it literally as they see it. And if they don't see it, they can't call it. And if they see it a different way than we see it, that's fair enough. And then some people are talking about you know, a, a video ref or a VAR type experience, but like Gaelic games and, and particular Gaelic football is is so objective in that, like f- what I would see as a free, someone else mightn't see as a free because we don't have a defined tackle. We don't have a defined, really a defined set of rules. um, You know, so... What one ref sees as a black card, one ref mightn't see as a blackguard and and it just gets really really confusing but i think I think responsibility at the end of the day comes down to players and and management and if if they encourage it then that's their prerogative but i think i think most senior managers would would be a bit embarrassed if if um if if one of their players did particularly said the conor cox one was was it was a bit um a bit silly on his behalf is that all right, David, that covered the party, perfect.
1: Tonight? Yeah, no, perfect. I ah, know, look, you look, Shawnee, Shawnee's a, a fierce competitor, you know what I mean? He's as honest a guy and honest a player as there is out there, you know. So, I don't think from him personally, and he, and with Galway, uh, I don't think it's an issue. I don't think it's something you're going to see going forward. Um, across the whole of the GAA. yeah, look, I know. Uh, there's been a bit of a Twitter storm over me and I'm sure oh, everyone involved uh, will have seen it. And maybe that'll be enough to kind of say, okay, look, we can't be doing these things. Man- management might have a discussion, a-, a quick word, 10 seconds of a word this week before training, but I, I don't think it's, you know, a-, a pandemic essentially. You know what I mean? I don't think it's something that we really uh, need to hone in and focus on. I think, as we get into the, um, as we move closer to the summer, I can't see I can't see it being an issue. And what's
0: your view on the actual incident, David?
1: I think Shawnee um, was showing great leadership. He was trying to take the um, media attention off Peter Cook, you know. So it was a real selfless act, <laughs> <life>, really. <laughs> I know. Look, uh, like when you slow down the video, uh, you know, it, it doesn't look great. But as Barry said, there is contact there, you know, and. Like I said, I know Shawnee, You know he's an honest player, honest guy as there is. So I don't think there was any malicious intent in it, and it's not something that uh, we'll need to worry about going forward.
2: Yeah, like even if you go back to Sean, Sean's reaction against Armar last year, like you know this, he, this, this isn't a fella that that goes down. He went down because he was he was hurt. Like I would be. There's a few players that I might question that, um, <laughs> yeah, mightn't, mightn't, mightn't have been as, as yeah. uh, if they went down, you might question whether they actually, whether they actually felt it or not. But like Sean Kelly is certainly not one of them.
1: Absolutely, and I think yeah, it's a broader discussion. But that you know the character assassination that happens uh, on Twitter in in the uh, immediate afterma- aftermath of a of an incident when it's slowed down on a video, you know, that's not right either.
0: Is there anything that can be done about that, David? Like, I know probably the way it is, I'd say probably a lot of players are on Twitter and stuff because just as you talk, like, even if you're Connor Cox there or Sean Kelly, like, and you're looking and it's a thousand comments and it's going into different threads and various people are being tagged.
1: Yeah, look it it's wrong.
0: I know look I don't
1: know Barry Barry might have a, a better uh, opinion on this than me. I'm not the man to to fix it. I I just I just know it's wrong. Um you know I I don't like it. I don't agree with it. You know the lads are out there representing their clubs or their counties, you know. Uh they're amateurs at the end of the day, and I just, I, I just think it's wrong when certain podcasts or people on Twitter are basically going after uh, an individual's character over, you know, something they've done in three seconds in the heat of a moment. I
2: think it's, I think it's look, you know, there's a lot of clickbait out there as well, um, yeah. and it's usually the same fellas that are doing it every Sunday evening. They'll find something to. To something to try and get their 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 name out there, and that's fine, and and fair play to them, absolutely no issue with that. But again, the responsibility, like players, comes back to the people responding to it. You know, if you can see every Sunday evening the same fella is finding one person or particular incident uh, to get to get himself trending on Twitter, um, just ignore it. Like he's not doing it for for your the good of your health. He's not doing it for um the good of the ga uh, the only thing he's doing it for is is to to get people to get people um engaged with him to try and create a little bit more money in advertising so don't don't get fooled into it that you think that some some fella is uh some fella is 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 trying trying his damnedest to wrong or right all the wrongs of the ga he they certainly most they certainly are not
0: But with that, uh, David, it's fair to say there is some simulation creeping into the game. And is it this thing where management will go to players, if you do feel contact and it's minimal, go down?
1: No, no, I don't think so. You know, uh, there's, there's just... There's too much going on uh, as an inter-county manager for that to be anywhere close to the top of your priority list. You know they're, they're working on defensive structures, how to get scores, you know, uh, how to manage games, other things. That, that's not a conversation that happens. I think with this small bit of backlash this weekend, there might be a word uh, in dress rooms uh, across the country. Just you know, don't be don't be going down uh, at the you know if someone blows on you essentially you know, that might be a, a 10 or 15 second conversation, but, but that'll be it, you know. I think it's more, uh, as Barry said, a uh, big bit, people looking for attention, you know, your Sean Kelly's, your Connor Cox's, you know, management around the country, they're not going to be concerned to have themselves too much with it. You know, their focus is on winning games and getting to, getting to championship, essentially. And David, just bring,
0: bring Barry in on this as well, but The definition of the tackle at the moment, some refs allow contact, some refs go kind of halfway between contact or not, and then some refs, if there's any contact at all, they'll blow. Like, is that frustrating as a player that basically in the game, there's not really a clearly defined tackle?
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, it, it, it it's it is a frustration, and I found it. I spot. I, I, I found it especially prevalent when I was in with Galway, and I was coming back back to play um, with my cullen. You know what I mean? It seems like the tackle uh, is a. Uh, it's completely different from intercounty to club, you know. And when you have, you know, us now, we'll have five or six uh, defenders coming back with us. You know they're they're tackling hard at intercounty level, and then they come back to club, and it seems to be a, a different rule altogether. But on a, on a whole, um, yeah, absolutely. But it it's it's hard to define it as well. You know because the game is played at at such a high pace, um, you know it, it's hard to to put it into words. And then in fairness to referees, you know they're making a decision, as Barry said earlier. You know it's a it's a subjective decision in a split second, you know. So we need there needs to be a little bit of lenience, leniency there, you know. I think we can do better uh, defining it and training referees. I think there should be an onus on the GEA to to put better training measures in place and get ex players involved, you know, to help referees understand what's actually going on in, in the moment. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely a frustration, yeah.
0: And Barry, like even watching on, like even if you look over the weekend of, I suppose the Tyrone lads tackling David Clifford, there's six or seven around them. Then there's a scream in the face after, and you're kind of just wondering how maybe that isn't a free in that instance. And I suppose that's where people, I suppose, genuinely look sometimes, and are kind of beyond belief why there isn't a free given when tackles like that happen in the game. But, like, as David said there, it's just not clearly defined. And it is difficult at the yeah, same
2: time. But, 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 yeah, I saw some of that. Like So, if you, if you bring that argument to its full conclusion, does that mean that we only have a certain amount of players around, allowed around an individual? You know, like, I don't know, maybe it was, it, it was a little bit too aggressive, and I would have said it was a free, I thought it was, but, like, you can't stop If 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 someone gets slowed down and stopped, and all of a sudden you have three, four, five players in a tackle situation, like there's nothing in the rules to say that's that's automatically a free. It's it's not. If every player, you know, is is really disciplined, that's fine. There's no issue with that. On the other side of it, uh, if you want to talk, we say outside of Galway. If I was Jack O'Connor, if I was David Clifford, and it happened Sean O'Shea as well, and that happened me, or I was over the Kerry team, and I I'd be disappointed that they allowed that happen. Um, I think, you know, my message would have been, you know, you gotta, you, they had to lay down a marker. And in fairness, Tyrone bullied them, and like, I was very surprised that there wasn't more engagement with the Tyrone players when they were messing with David Clifford or Sean Shea. The the Kerry players seemed to just back off and accept it. And I would have been, as Jack, if I was Jack O'Connor, outside of the outside of the loss. That's the problem. That that's the area that really would have disappointed me because it has happened, Kerry. Now, Paul, you part, oh, I'm not sure you we even born back 2003. You know, 2005, Fresh. 2008. Um, they, you know, same situation, different players. Tyrone, Tyrone, aggressive surrounding players in their face, screaming, and and Kerry allowed it to happen, and again they allowed it to happen last weekend, and. I'd say they'll be saying, "Come championship, that happens again, then then there could be different consequences because you can't you can't allow that to happen." Um, but yeah, I, from my point of view, from my point of view, I think inter-county refs manage it a, a good bit better, and that's not to to put a slight on the club player club refs because that's a very difficult job as well. Um, it looks like it, to me. It looks like that if you if you have an opportunity to play the ball and you don't play it, then it's a nearly open season on you. In that refs allow a little bit more contact now if you receive a ball receive a hand pass and you go and in your next play there's a bit of there's a bit of contact they're nearly trying to give the free then. but if you receive a hand pass you beat a player you have an opportunity to kick it or hand pass and you don't I think then refs allow a little bit more contact and say you you had the opportunity to play it you didn't it's now it's now kind of open season to to try and try and dispossess you and put a little bit more contact on you but again as David said, it's difficult and it's it's very hard to actually you know it's sure. not basketball. You can't say there's absolutely no contact because we wouldn't accept that. But, but where does the where does the line in the sand where is the line in the sand drawn?
1: I'd i agree with you on, on that barry actually just with so for example if there's a, a turnover, you know, so say Galway are attacking uh, Monaghan, turn them over or there's a bad hand pass and the Monaghan player gets it and he's then breaking out, regardless of the actual tackle. Say there's two Galway lads around him; they stand around and the tackle is fine. The referee is generally more inclined to give that a free because of the flow of the game. And I think that's that's probably one of the biggest frustrations, you know, that it, it shouldn't matter that the ball had just been turned over and, you know, now the Monaghan crowd are up. You know, what 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 should be, what, what that should be judged on essentially is you know the tackle. You know, so okay, the goalie man turn it over, but if they stand them up and still tackle correctly, it it should still be a free in essentially. You know what I mean? And I know when I'm watching games, that is a little bit frustrating. And the same at the other side. I think, um, you know, if if uh, if you get a short kick out essentially, and as you said, you break two tackles, and the opportunity is to play the ball, and he doesn't, you know, and then, um, you know, he, he gets himself uh, into a tackle or something like that. You know, the referee nearly gi- gi- gives the free in because he's going, okay, he should have he moved it on when that's really not relevant in the moment. You know? I think there's a job but for you. Barry, is Liv. this the biggest thing? <laughs> I'll be your lines member. <laughs> yeah, Jesus.
2: <laughs> mm.
0: Is this the biggest thing that needs to be tied up now?
2: Barry? The, tack- the tackle?
0: Yeah.
2: Um... Jesus, that's a loaded question. It, is there something does, else that you see that needs to be tied up more? Uh, um, Jesus, that's a that's a good one. Um I think the consistent fouling is an issue, actually, more, more so than the actual tackle. So um you know Con Kilpatrick from Tyrone must have fouled, you know, he definitely had eight fouls against Galway. And, and there was no action taken, and that's happening. So, like, uh, no, I'll, I'll, phrase this, I'll phrase this, but it's the persistent tackling by teams to slow down the opposition. I think that's a bigger issue. So I'll take Roscommon, for example, and and well within their rights. It was a very deliberate ploy, and Tyrone, I thought, to a certain extent as well, and probably most teams when you think about it, that if would turned the ball over full-back or, or cornerback or within the forty five. They're, we say the Galway defending 45, close to the Galway goal, the nearest Roscommon player just went and fouled the Galway fella because it gave them an opportunity to go back. So they didn't want Galway breaking. They didn't want Galway. They didn't want Sean Kelly just going on a run, galloping up the pitch. Stop it dead. Give Roscommon loads of time to get players back and you build from there. And that's happening over and over again. And you're seeing it. And believe me, where, you know, you mentioned about... You know, our management going to guys saying, Look, if there's any contact, go down. They're not, they're not, they're not doing that. Um, that's an individual thing. If someone does that, our management going to teams saying, Stop it at source, take a foul, take a hit, absolutely, at 100%. And they're giving it's just slowing it down because that's all they want. They all they want is just to give two or three seconds for guys to get back get into position to get defensively set. And I personally, I think that's a bigger issue. So it might be, you know, it might not be the letter of the law, black card, you're pulling a guy down, but there's a huge amount of cynicism in it that if you're breaking the momentum of a team deliberately, to me, that's that's the biggest problem that, that we're facing at the moment. Because it'll just keep, it'll happen, it'll happen. So one of the teams that will do it will be successful. And as we do in the GA, we're all guilty of it. Everyone else will just copy it. So they'll see, um, you know, Team X will go and win the All Ireland. And the reason they do it is because every time Sean Kelly got a yeah. turnover, they just fouled him. And all of a sudden, every single time Mike Cullen are playing, every single time they're playing a club game and Sean Kelly gets the ball, he'll be fouled because we copy. And I think at the moment, that would be a, a huge problem for me.
0: Do you, do you see that as an issue as well, David? Like even when Barry's talking there, you're nearly thinking of players who almost make a foul. They'll drag the player to the ground, but they'll drag the player lightly, so maybe it doesn't look as bad to the referees.
1: Yeah, yeah, Barry's hundred percent right. Yeah, he's a he's a hundred percent right. But again, yeah, it's on it's on the GEA, right? Because players and management are just going out to win, you know, and they're they're going to play to the rules. And as Barry said, you know, copycat culture is is definitely in. Um you you you'll see a lot of teams in Galway this year setting up um with the two man sweeper, I'd say, after Galway, <laughs> after watching Galway in the league and in the championship this year, you know, and that's just the way that that's that that's just natural. That's what happens. Um, so it has to come in at the top, you know, and I you know, I've heard a lot of people giving out about the standard of games and how it's so boring, etc. But Again, that onus isn't on players or management whatsoever. You know, their their sole focus is to go out and win games, you know, and they will do whatever they have to do tactically to, tr- to, to try and achieve that goal. So it has to come from top level, you know, and, and it needs to be done um it needs to be done uh, smartly and consistently, you know, across the board, or else it's just not going to make an impact. I, I don't have, I, I don't have the answer. Is it something? I think, I think, I think um,
2: a directive. This is only again me thinking out loud. Is that, you know, the advantage rule has to be so say, if, you know, hypothetically David Wynn wins the ball back from Mike Cullen. Someone goes to foul him. And instead of the referee blowing the whistle straight away, and then the player that's after fouling David just standing in front of him, giving him another couple of seconds, that there's a directive to say, look, David, if you can go and break that tackle, I'll give you a little bit I'll give you a little bit extra. So instead of fouling for free, I'll give you another couple of seconds, another step or two to really push on and try and break that tackle. And then you're out and it's not slowing things down for free. And I think we have to try and get that into the game rather than just, you know, foul stop everyone back, foul, stop everyone back. You know, let's let's give the players, let's go to let's Paulik Joyce said to Jack Lane and these guys say, Look, in training, we're gonna really coach you that when someone is trying to foul you, you're like you're in the gym three, four, five times a week. Use your legs, you know, really mm-hmm. push, really go through, and put that a ref law. Lo- and a ref allows that, so he doesn't say, "Well, you actually mm-hmm. took five steps there to free in." They say, "Look, I'm not saying rewrite the rule book. I'm just saying a bit of common sense. If a referee sees that a team is consistently fou- fouling to break the flow of the opposition team, then allow the cornerbacks, allow the fullback, the wingback time to break the tackle." So it negates any impact that the, the player that's fouling the man can have. And,
1: yeah, and, and really, like, the onus the would, would probably come more on a linesman than a referee because if you imagine, you know, Galway turned the ball over, um, Sean Kelly kick-passes it to Paul Conroy, he's moving forward. The referee is watching the ball. He's watching Paul Conroy move forward. But really where this is an issue is your Jack Lynn or your own Kelly trying to break from corner back. And the corner forward, you know, grabbing onto his jersey or putting his hands on his chest. So, uh, I don't know, is it a thing you need more eyes or you need the linesman to be focusing off the play rather than actually focusing on the play?
0: Just on that, because we have went down a reverie loophole here. But one thing on that, David, we we haven't mentioned it, but it was a team across the league at the weekend. And it, it probably has been a team, if you look back at key games, in the last few years, steps you're si- you're seeing players get the ball now and ultimately take six or seven steps at different stages during games.
1: Yeah, like again, you know, it, it, I, I I I don't know how how do you combat that? You know what I mean? Are you going to have a linesman count every time so a player gets the ball count steps? I I personally don't see an issue with you know. <laughs> If it's out the middle of the field and he takes six steps, you know, and then he, he plays the ball and there's no contact, where, where they need to be harsh on that is, you know, when it's coming into the scoring zone, he's trying to go around a man and he's using two or three steps to separate himself. Right. That's really where it's an issue. This crack of pulling a video from Twitter of some uh, just getting there. But you see it in the NBA all the time. There's, there's, there's videos up of, you know, that was a travel because he held the ball in the palm of his hand. And these are referees probably getting paid hundreds of thousands and they're not seeing it. So uh, I don't think it's realistic uh, to every time someone takes six steps, uh, think that the referees are going to see that and and call a foul against it. There should be um, there should be uh, focus of course uh, the closer to goal that it gets or even when you're breaking out as a defender if there's tackles on if there's pressure on you know and you're using it to your advantage you know you need to play the ball but if you're standing on your own in the middle of the field and you take six steps instead of five you know, that's getting a bit uh, I think uh, as Barry said earlier you know there's, there's definitely bigger things to focus on
0: <laughs> Yeah and it probably does in one sense like a couple of these issues because David has referenced there Barry they definitely probably do... Can I... Yeah, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll jump in by you there, Paul. And again, this goes back to the guys that are highlighting this, right? I can guarantee you, absolutely 100%, that in the All-Ireland Final this year, if Damien Comer, if it's level at the last kick of the game, and Damien Comer takes five steps to get a shot off, and the referee pulls him for five steps, the same people who are now highlighting the issue with steps will then come down on the referee for implementing the rules and not... And not, um, you know, not acting with a bit of common sense. You know, that's that's just the way. That's just the way it is, and that's just the way that these these things work. So, it it is a common sense thing. Like, if someone obviously takes a load of steps, they should be pulled. Someone takes five steps to try and break a tackle and keep going. Is that a free? You know, yeah, maybe by the by the definition of it, it's a free. But there has to be a little bit of a little bit of leeway and. You know, there's so much pressure on refs now. It's it's a it's it's an absolute thankless job, and I actually think the standard of refereeing, is particularly at county level and a lot of the club refs as well, is actually really really high. And in Galway, we're really lucky that we have some really top quality young. Up and coming refs. I'm not going to name them because I'll forget. I'll forget some of them. But like we know who what they the, are. And they're... what
1: what is the actual rule? Is it four or five? <laughs> four. It's it's four. It's four steps. I do. I, I do that think that you. that could be changed to make
2: to make things. You're fond enough of the steps yourself, now, David. So he certainly he certainly wasn't going to put go down that rabbit hole. But um, I I think a time a time is probably an easier one for a ref. So like you know if be fucking. Today, like me, takes four steps. The ref is going to or six steps. The ref is going to see it. But if Jacqueline takes six steps, is the ref going to see it? No. But if we can look at it more of it time sensitive rather than step sensitive, I think it might be a better a better approach to it.
0: Just on that, before we get back in, uh, just to go his final two games, uh, just the club team the club team of the year was named there during the week. Uh, two goalie men named Sean Rob. Kelly and uh, right. Shane Walsh <laughs> of oh, Club
2: This, this is David, your, this you your chance, now, Davis. Yeah.
0: Were you surprised you didn't get more players on the team? <laughs>
2: <laughs> jeez Paul were you surprised, were you, surprised you weren't telling I was I was shocked I was shocked yeah yeah here's my your mother, chance now yeah
1: yeah no my mother was very disappointed <laughs> Um, I know listen it's it's like anything you know what I mean the, the two teams that are in the final are going to get the lion's share so like I we've, we've no qualms about it Desi was on to me alright he was wondering did they see the Westport game but anyway that was about it <laughs> <laughs>
0: What did you think, seeing
2: the team, Barry? <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, Paul, I'll be honest with you. I saw, um, I did see that Sean Kelly was the only Mike Cullen player. Um, I'm not sure who did, who the Kilmer could beat in the semi-final. Cairns uh, O'Reilly's. Cairns O'Reilly's. they, O'Reilly. well, they, think they, got they Yeah, so yeah. look, that's that's always going to happen. I, I, You know, they could have... Could have looked at you know did someone have a really really good provincial campaign and maybe didn't maybe didn't go and 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 win it you know maybe but I don't think I I would imagine that David had a poor night's sleep but he's the first night but I think he's probably over it at this stage. I'm
0: I'm over. It. <laughs> <laughs> With that goal is uh, final two games um, Irma the uh, day after Paddy's day up in the Atlantic grounds and then Kerry to finish in Pierce Stadium. David, like, we were talking earlier on about Galway's system and maybe Herman and Kerry are the perfect two teams for this because they're both there uh, kicking teams when they get the ball in attack. So, it can it can definitely, I suppose, tell supporters and probably tell Galway uh, where they're at probably after these two games.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think this is, these will definitely be the the um, a, a good stress test for the system, you know because I think Kerry and AMA will obviously have looked at Galway, uh, looked at how they set up and I'd imagine identified you know the only way to really create one on one or two on two opportunities is to move the ball as quick as possible in transition. So if Galway are turning the ball over, dropping the ball short, I'd imagine there'll be a lot of kick passing from Arma- from Kerry out to midfield and try and get it into that um, two dangerous full forward lines as quick as possible before Galway can set up and protect that D. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting because, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Galway can get back in those situations. Now, the last day against Monaghan, I, I was impressed. You know, the see between Johnny Heaney, John Daly... And Shawnee, you know, they've a really good understanding. They always most teams now, you know, when the other team gets set up, they will have a quarterback at the top of the D. Um, but Galway seem to have a plus one and a quarterback nearly at all stages, you know, and, and they they seem to rotate that really well as the guy as John Daly or Sean Kelly or John Johnny Heaney want to attack and break through. So yeah, I I think um yeah, it'll it'll be a good stress test um um going into the Going into the summer, yeah. Huh?
0: Particularly as well, Barry, Robert Finnergy returning against Monaghan. Uh, Shane Walsh uh, got a bit of action in the second half the last day. Damien Comer to be back for Kerry. Like, to get these players, like, particularly in attack, to to get them back into the setup and get more game time into them will be key.
2: Yeah, it'll certainly be one of the one of the key factors in in the game in the two games. It'll be trying to get as close, particularly for the Kerry game, trying to get as close to your first fifteen for championship as possible, and 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 seeing how 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 they evolve and seeing what sort of form um, what form they show, and and even for the likes of Own Kelly, like you know how we know how good he has played Carl Sweeney, we know how good he has played. Um, you know, it'd be really important for them. To see how they can react when we've a, a, a full setup and how good they can be when you've your best 15 out there, and I think that's a really really important. But for me, one of the one of there's a couple of other aspects of it is that the experience of playing in the athletic grounds is in that like it'll be intimidating, you know, they're they're they love it up there, they don't want to get bet up there. That's 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 brilliant, you know, whether win or lose that experience is going to be is going to be very, very important for, for Galway this year. And Kerry, like we don't know, Kerry could come to Galway at the last league game really needing a win to to avoid relegation and, and that'll be a big test for them as well. But another aspect of it is is, you know, one of our man's most important players is Ethan Raftery, or Rafter in goal. You know, it'll be a good experience for the Galway management to see how he how they can set up to curb his influence and what sort of system they can what sort of system they can come up with to do that? Or on the flip side of it, what what happens if, if a team comes up with something different? And Armagh, Kieran McGeaney has been noted to do it. You know, what happens if, for example, um, someone goes and max John Daly? So instead of every single time Galway looking to recycle the ball, it goes through John Daly's hands. What happens if someone says, you know what, actually, we're going to take that option out? Now, it might mean that it goes through someone else's hands. But at least, because you think of Gawler training sessions, John Daly's so influential, that's the way they're going to be playing, that's the way they're going to train. So what happens if someone does something that, like that? So instead of, they get 13, 14 behind the ball, and they put one person sitting on John Daly, who actually steps up then to become that, as you said, David, that quarterback when you're, when Gawler are going down the right-hand side or going down the left-hand side, it gets clogged up, they try to recycle, they try to go across the pitch, inevitably the ball is in the hands of John Daly or Paul Conroy. What happens, as I said, if someone does that? And hopefully, carrier and ma will test Galway and they'll give them something to think about and Galway will then have to react and it'll be a huge learning process for them because at the end of the day, the league is a means to an end and the, the, the Galway's year will be fully judged on their, their run in the, in the Championship. And, you know, it's a, it'll be a huge experience for them. The two games, really, really important and they'll just be hoping that they get really, really good learnings from them. They'll want wins. But if they don't get them, they'll they'll be still looking for for what the positives out of it.
0: David jumped up into the second after the weekend, just ahead of Ross Common uh, on goal difference. Now both teams still on six points. David, do you think now, going somewhat in some way, they're towards the top of this table, not fully safe yet, just with how things, how tight things are at the bottom. But should a league final now be a, a possibility for this team? Because you're looking at it in the Comic Championship, it's Mayor Oscombe in the first round. So go and do have that buy into the semi final. And it is a bit of a break they'll have after the league. But do you think they'll be aiming now for a league final when they look at the table?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if uh, Porik isn't. Um... You know, it doesn't have one eye on that. Absolutely, you know, because if you could get, <clears throat> if you could get three games in a row now, say um, uh, Armagh, Kerry, and then a league final, you know, that's three really, really good games. And you know, he's developed a panel now. Uh, you know, uh, Barry mentioned Cahill Sweeney, Daniel O'Flaherty. Uh, I thought Johnny McGrath was excellent the last day as well. You know, so the more games that he can get for those guys, and even with Shaney. You know coming back now, the, the more game time you can get into him before um, uh, a Connacht semi final against me or if common. Uh and as well as that, you know, winning is a habit. Um, if you could, if you could win a, a national title, always first division one. I think I read is it would it be forty years or something like that. You know, that 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 that'd absolutely um, that'd be a great boost for the group going into championship. Yeah, so I'd say. Um, I'd say Porek has one eye on it. Uh, obviously, um, at the minute, priority is Arma uh, trying to get a result there uh, and then obviously Kerry, but it, it'd be great, I think, for the group and for supporters if we could get to a league final, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And Barry, a chance for a lot of the players and um, ultimately the squad who were defeated to Kerry t- to get back to Crow Park, like that's I suppose, chance of silverware early on in the year in, in, in Cro-Pack, like, it's, it's it's not going to do uh, the, squ- the squad any harm, particularly when they're not out in championship championship uh, straight after, I suppose, like last year you had the Division 2 final and then Gord playing Mayo fairly soon after that last year.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and and as David said, winning is a habit, and if they get to Crow Park and win, that'll be a big, big boost for Galway. Now, just caveats to say I'm not sure they'd like to play Mayo in a, in a league final, particularly the fact Mayo would probably have yeah. to, by virtue of the fact they're playing the following week, um, they would have to put out their second-string team. So, you know, does it really kind of... Um, you know, is there any real relevance in a game like that then? I think that's 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 probably no look, that's what you know, Mayo could say, Do you know what? We're gonna go hell for leather. Who knows? I'm not sure. And and the fact like Galway would then, if they got Mayo in a league final, they would then have played Mayo in the FPD, they'd have played Mayo in the state the group stage of the league, a league final, and then possibly have to face them in the championship as well. Four times four times before before May is probably a lot to, to face Mayo um in one year. But I think Overall, if you said to Porick now, you know, do you want to kind of bow out of the league safe mid-table, or do you want to go on and win it? he'd bite your hand off if you said go on and win it. I said I think if we could have a big win in co Park, I think it's invaluable to that team and invaluable to the younger members of the team. And even even for the likes of Shane to have gone on and won an All-Ireland Club, like they're big, big achievements, big moments and and big confidence boosters, big energy 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 energising moments within a, within a group and um, a, a league final win would certainly be, it would certainly top off a, a really good year and yeah I think it was 1983 was our last one so they don't come too often
0: This podcast is sponsored by Steed Motor Group Clare Galway supplying a wide variety of new and used vehicles steedmotorgroup.ie taking the work out of car shopping We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finley, our professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job.